Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. Podcasts for people who are trusting God for no place left all over the world. Today we're going down to Essex to talk to Russell Godwood about his call to spark church planting movements across Great Britain. for 20 years, so just, if you like, standard pastoral ministry uh, in Essex in the UK. And, um, you know, that, that was a busy time, but I, th- I think probably over the last 10 years, just a stirring in my own heart of how did we really engage meaningfully with people that were far from God. Um, I guess that's how I'd frame it now anyway. Um, so just that growing sense of God stirring something. Um, I guess that led us in the church context to begin to explore with things like missional communities over the last six or seven years, you know, just how do we really engage with our, our friends, those on the periphery of church, those far from God. And that was sort of, sort of mixed in many ways. It was, it was good on some days and uh, disastrous on others. Um, but again, God's in all of this just stirring something in our hearts. So yeah, we're, that's definitely one of the realizations is that you know business as usual won't do it, and and we're we've really not engaged truly with what it means to make disciples of people that are far from God. Um, so yeah, just feeling that in our own heart, realizing that, um, um, increasingly beginning to grapple with that. What would that look like? What does that mean? So the exploration into missional communities, but again, even in that, that helped us engage with people. It helped us, you know, hang out with people intentionally and get to know people. But I know, I know for myself, for my wife and I, we felt we were quite good at connecting with people, but then realized we weren't great at sharing the story of Jesus we weren't great at inviting our friends to follow Jesus in a way that they understood and in an authentic and meaningful way. Um, So again, we had all of these non-Christian friends and we're connecting well, but still we're grappling with, you know, what's the next step for us. So Um, what, what happened next? um, Lots of things really. I mean, um, there there's a sort of there's a little personal crisis in there in that our our son got sick our only son we've got four daughters and then a son and he fell sick and we lost james to cancer so that's almost four years ago now Hmm. so we're in the midst of this journey with the church and what god's doing in our heart and then we're facing that as well um and i think really again that that raised a lot of questions for us losing losing our son Hmm. Uh, it raised some questions for me about ministry and whether or not i i could continue to do this if you like as as a job you know Hmm. did i really have what it took for the future for the next 10 20 years and that i think just drove us into god into the holy spirit you know so what was god leading us to and again the thing that always came to the fore was he was calling us to make disciples 
of people that were far from God. And so in all of our prayers and our tears, that mm. was often the cry. The cry was, God, at the end of the day, we've got to get to this place where we're learning to follow you, to make disciples, to plant new churches, um, and to have an impact in our community. So ultimately, you know, and, and again, it's a bit of a long story. I, I, I won't share all of that. That really led me to a place. Um, well, I th- uh, in that sort of period of time, I met you and, yeah. and Michelle, hmm. uh, which was, was a good time. And, and that sort of helped us because I think we went through one of your trainings, following and fishing, when you were first in the UK back in London. And that really helped me just to begin to understand how I could share my story the story of the gospel and invite people to follow Jesus. And so, so that, that was a good step for us. And so I think you guys came down and trained with our church and mm. again, that helped. And, you know, we, and again, that was in a period of time when we're still very pretty mm. much immersed in our grief, but at the same time seeking God for our future mm. um, and what that meant. And that really led me to conclude I couldn't carry on in pastoral ministry for numbers of reasons. I didn't feel I had what it took. I didn't feel emotionally I could cope with the stresses and the pressure of that. But ultimately, I didn't feel that's what God had for me. Mm-hmm. I, felt, I felt that would cloud the call to make disciples amongst people that were far from God. So I resigned from my church leadership position. Um, finished up back in what march 2016 mm-hmm. in order to free myself up to be able to give myself to making disciples amongst people um and and part of that was again beginning to work a bit more closely with you and michelle across brown so so that sort of that, that brings us up to speed i guess in some senses and explains you know then then really it's the story of the last sort of year 18 months really of okay. beginning you, you become that. a missionary to essex the region you live in uh but also to britain yeah absolutely that's that's the way i see it that's the call and what what does that look like let's let's start with essex because you you've just had um in may uh 30 days in the harvest now that wasn't a normal month but but tell us a bit about that because that'll give us an idea of what you do locally okay yeah um we've been we've been working away for a year or so in essex and um you know just a small team of us about 12 of us beginning to learn to get out shares of gospel regularly but we were we were sensing and feeling um it's just it's just that little verse if you sow generously you'll reap generously so we were just feeling that sense of god wanted to move us to generous or extravagant seed sowing in order for us to see harvest so that meant in some way just just beginning to again intentionally step up how could we move to, to sharing and sowing the gospel more consistently, more regularly? So my, my diary was pretty free for May. We didn't mm-hmm. have any training events or anything. We weren't traveling anywhere. So I just decided I'd, I'd heard, I think it was Troy Cooper down in Florida, just mentioned one of his guys had just done it. 
Yeah, and I Kevin, just Kevin felt, Maxwell. Yeah, Kevin, that's right. I just felt, you know, that sense of the Holy Spirit saying, well, what, why don't you just do that for a month? That, that might move us to generous seed sowing. So I just, yeah, freed up an already, you know, relatively free diary for 30 days and put a little schedule together. And we, I say we, I determined to head out every single day, well, 26 of the 30, hmm. four Sabbath days, um, just to connect with people, share an offer of prayer, for that to lead to sharing the gospel and inviting them to follow Jesus. Perhaps in the process of the four weeks, you know, we might be doing follow-up as well. Hmm. So, just, so yeah. just give us a picture of what that was like. Um, I'm thinking, is, is there a memorable story of, of you going out with one of your team and, and encountering someone who, let's say, God had prepared to meet you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if I said that sort of happened every day, that, um, you know, that's not an exaggeration. So in one sense, it's hard to pick on one story. Mm. Um, let, let, me, let me think of, I can think of one afternoon. I was out with a friend. It's the first time he'd come with me. He wasn't experienced in this. He was just accompanying me to you know, uh, encourage me and, and learn a bit in the process. Hmm. So really it was me sharing and he was sort of walking along, cheering me on as we went, really. It was a Friday afternoon. We walked through the high street and uh, we met this, met this young guy um, and began to share with him. He's, he's tattooed. Um, he, he was quite friendly and we offered prayer and prayed. And then we shared what we call the three circles with him, the gospel, um, finished up and invited him to follow Jesus. And it, it was interesting actually, because as we shared with him, he was sort of, he was sort of saying he knew what came next. So he was sort of saying, yeah, yeah. And then, and then this, as we drew out the three circles. So we invite him to follow Jesus and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. So he says, I'm, he says, I met you a year ago. I'm mm. like, really? really? Mm. He says, yeah. Well, he says, we were over at the skate park. I mean, he's an adult guy, but he's, he's a skater. Mm. So he said, I met you at the skate park. And he said, you and a friend shared the same message with us a year ago. And he said, I wasn't ready then. Mm. He said, I'm, I'm ready now. I'm ready to turn and believe. And just there in the high street, he, he turned his life over to Jesus. Mm. Then we walk a hundred meters down the road and we meet another guy who walks across the road at us. He's a, he's a big guy, big, a big black man about my age. He's around 50. He's a, in a gym vest. He, he look, he looks a bit better than me. Mm-hmm. And, um, he's, he's much taller than me. Um, we just stop and say hi and offer prayer. And he, he looks at us and he says, this is a sign. I'm like, really? He says, yeah, this is a sign. He says, I'll take everything you're offering. Wow. I'm like, okay, well, can we pray? And he says, yeah, pray for me. So we pray. And then he shares his story with us. So six months previously, he'd just come out of prison. Um, 
he'd just done a 15-year stretch. He, we didn't ask what for. I don't think, mm. I don't think we really wanted to know. 15 he said, pretty serious. Yeah, it was, it was serious stuff. So he said, I was a young man and, you know, I did some crazy things and I, I paid a penalty for it. Mm. Um, so we then share the gospel with him. And he says, I'm, I'll take that. I'm ready. And he turns his life over to mm. Jesus. We stand there again at the other end of the high street outside the pub. And we pray together, the three of us, and he's ready. And we swap phone numbers and make plans to begin to go back and disciple him. Mm. And that's just, that's just one afternoon. Yeah. In, in, and that was a Friday afternoon. So Saturday was my Sabbath actually. And uh, it was heading towards the end of Friday. And for the rest of that afternoon, everywhere we went, people said yes to prayer and yes to us sharing the gospel. We actually got to the point. I turned around to my friend and I said, I, I think if, if we carry on talking to people, we'll probably not get home tonight. Mm. Said, I, think, I think we're going to have to deliberately decide mm. not to say hello to any more people. Because... Wow. I, I need to get home. I need some rest. So that was just, just one afternoon. Yeah. Amazing. I remember Michelle and I came down and you and I uh, were, were teaming and we walked across the road and, and I was right, a guy across the road sitting in his car, got out of his car and said, what are you guys doing? And we went across, I think he had, he might have African background. He's British. And, um, he said, what, what are you sharing? I said, well, we're just we're sharing with people how, how, they can, how they can be near to God. And he said, well, this is amazing. My, my brother has just died. That's right. And I'm yeah. now driving a couple of hours down uh, to, to be with um, my kids and tell them personally that their uncles died. And he was a believer. And we said, well, can we just, you know, can we just share with you so as you can share with your kids and others during this this really difficult time. So we took him through the three circles and then he hopped in his car and he was going to drive a couple of hours. And I think he had three or four kids that he was going to sit down with them and tell them about the death of his brother that had just occurred and share the gospel with his kids. And I mean, I mean, this is, Essex is not sort of planet Mars, is it? Essex is, is England. Um, You know, there's, there's, it represents sort of the nation as probably more white British than London would be. But yeah, what, what, what did you discover when you went out into your own community in terms of people's readiness or willingness to receive prayer or hear the gospel or yeah. What, what was it like? Um, well, I, I, I mean, um, yeah, we're, we're standard white British, really, working class. You know, our, our region was one of the highest votes to leave the EU. So I guess that tells you a little bit about the people we live amongst. Um, and I, I guess consistently we're surprised at just how open people are. Mm. White British, you know, uh, other ethnicities, other people groups, everybody is open hmm. and I'd, I'd not experienced that before. And that continually strikes me 
Um, but, but again, not, not just where we live in Essex. I mean, we've trained across the country. And as part of our training, we're taking teams out into their communities. And we're finding the same thing everywhere. Mm. You know, a guy said to me recently, he said, you know, he said, there's this really posh estate out the back of where I live in Leicester. And he said, everybody tells me you can't share the gospel there because they're all well off. They've all got lovely houses. They don't need Jesus. So I said, well, come on, let's go and give it a try. Mm. We headed out and we, we found at least four families who we could pray, pray with and share the gospel with. In, in the space yeah, of what, an, an hour or two? And, or just an hour. Four so I'm, yeah, I'm consistently encouraged and surprised at how open people are. And I, th I think we're finding, you know, just some, I mean, it starts very simply with the offer of prayer. So just say hi to someone. Great to see you today. We're just out offering prayer. Or maybe we're just out caring for our community. Could we pray for you? Mm. And, uh, you know, sometimes people are a bit taken back. You know, they mm. weren't expecting that. And then not everyone's up for it. But we are consistently finding 60% of people that you offer prayer to will say, yeah, that, that'd be great. And then we just ask, you know, is there anything specific we can pray for? Just engage them in conversation, listen. And then we pray. Um, and then that just leads us into very simply, perhaps maybe another question. Could we share how we came near to God? And, and then we're just into finding a way of sharing the gospel with them. And consistently people are saying yes, everywhere we go, every background of people, every age group, um, and interestingly, we're finding people under 40 mm -hmm. are more open to those questions than people over 40. And the older people are, the slightly more resistant they are, interestingly. Mm. But consistently across the board, people are open. People are ready for you to share the gospel with them. And that's exciting. This is in Britain? In Britain. Okay. And, uh, and supposed, the gospel's not supposed to work in Britain. That's right, exactly. Well, I've been leading the church for 20 years and I didn't know this. <laughs> okay. So you're going across the country, right up the top, up near Manchester and beyond and then down south. You're just, you know, most weekends, I think you're, you're out, uh, you and some of your team are out training. And you're finding yeah, yeah. The openness to the gospel as you equip God's people, you go out into the harvest field, whether it's on the high street or visiting people in their homes or people sharing with folks they already know. Yep. There's an openness to the gospel. Um, yeah. what, what happens next? If somebody's a yellow light, you know, I want, I'm not ready to believe, but I, I want to learn more. Or if someone's a, a green light, you know, I'm ready. You know, what, what do you do next? So, so those people who are, a yellow or green light, as, as you would say. Um, we're always training our teams to offer to meet with them again, to share more. Um, if the person's a yellow light, they're not ready to turn and believe, but they're interested. Um, we're just offering, we could come back and share some more stories of Jesus with you. We'd love to meet again and talk some more and explain some more. Would that be okay? We're fixing a time, we're heading back and perhaps using something we've called seven stories of hope. So mm -hmm. we're maybe just going in again, 
sharing the offer of prayer, praying with people, and then offering to share a story of Jesus. And a couple of questions out of that. You know, what does that tell us about God or Jesus? What does it tell us about people? And just, just really continually pointing people to Jesus. Maybe at times returning to the gospel, the three circles that we're using. Mm -hmm. So just continually through stories, through prayer, through the presentation of the gospel, pointing people to the gospel message. If people are turning and believing, mm -hmm. we want to quickly move to discipleship. So to immediate obedience and beginning to teach people to obey. So quickly moving to baptism, meeting with people, beginning to teach them what we call the seven commands of Christ. And, and all of our teams are equipped and ready to do that as they're going or before they go. You know, it's, it's one of the first things we train them. So the first thing you want to do is meet with them in their world and, and see if there are others in their world who, who want to meet up. And it's yep. a discovery, whether it's a, a, you know, amber light or, or a, a green light, you're going to have a series of discovery Bible studies that help them learn and start following Jesus. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's what you train. When you, you go around the country, um, typically on a, on a Saturday, you're training people in the three circles, in the early offer of prayer, in how to do discovery with somebody who wants to learn more. Yeah. And yeah, everyone's trained with that. And so are you seeing the same responsiveness as you sort of train and mobilize local churches and, and, and believers to do this in their community? Are you seeing some of the same patterns of openness and of all of a sudden, Hey, we're, we're beginning to see people come to know Christ and, and grow in discipleship. Is that, is that happening where you train? It's happening everywhere. So, um, you know, in, initially the offer of prayer is, is um, the easiest step to take. Mm -hmm. But many Christians, even, even just that early offer of prayer, um, and we're keen on it being early. We don't want to engage someone in an hour's conversation before we offer to pray for them. Mm -hmm. you know, we don't need to earn the right to speak. We don't need to earn the privilege of building a long-standing relationship with them before we offer prayer within a minute or two offering prayer. Um, but for for some Christians, even that's a bit of a big step. But mm. we, we were down in Salisbury, you know, two weekends ago, we're working with a team there and they were feeding back to me, you know, initially we didn't think the offer of prayer would work, mm. but we're now instinctively offering prayer to everyone in our community. And they're all saying yes. Same, just, same thing happened in Leicester. We, yep. It, it, Steve, we'll, we'll do this because we're desperate. Yep. Um, we've got to tick it off our list, but it's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. So we offered yeah. prayer to, I think, 12, 1,200 uh, homes. Yep. And the on, only one in three wanted to receive prayer and engage a bit around the gospel. That's like 426 households. Yeah, it's only 30%. Um, you know, it's nothing. After that, John McGinley at Holy Trinity in Leicester, he said, well, at least we did it, and now we know the gospel works here in Britain. Exactly. Uh, so they're it, seeing, um, you know, Leicester, they're, they're seeing, regularly seeing people come to know Christ through their ordinary folks who they've trained. Yeah. So have you got any examples? In, you know, does a church come to mind where you've gone back? Because you, you go back 
a number of times to do the training and raise up local teams in, in, in a church. So yep. what's a good example of a church that's, that's sort of grabbed this and running with it? Um, oh, there, there's numbers. Um, my, you know, I've got, I've got my brother-in-law leads church in Dis in Norfolk. We, we trained with them, um, in the autumn last year. Um, and they had, they had four or five people in a training, you know, we had about 30 people in the training and, and you're always finding, you know, everyone loves what we train in. But there's always going to be like four or five maybe in a room that size that grab hold of it. And they've got about four or five. And he consistently calls me and says, oh, we, we've just been out. Um, we found some people. We shared the gospel. Someone turned and believed. Um, you know, one of our guys, you know, he stopped and helped somebody on the way to work. They had a puncture on their car. And he offers prayer and then he's meeting with them to share the gospel with them later. Hmm. Um, so, so they've got four or five guys who have just grabbed hold of it and they're beginning to share the gospel now hmm. every week, every week. Whereas before they weren't doing that. Hmm. Um, and we are heading back to train with them, you know, later in the year for a second touch. But then I'm doing a couple of days with them in the summer, just with those five or six guys. Um, just to really keep them moving. And we're finding so consistently they're engaging people in prayer. They're getting to share the gospel and they're finding people that are ready to turn and believe consistently. And this is happening everywhere. And not just turn and believe, but ordinary believers now know what to do, how to yeah. meet with that new disciple and say, well, let's start reading the Bible and, and learning to follow what Jesus taught. That's the exciting thing for me, because you, you and I have been around long enough. It's one thing to get someone to pray a prayer on the street. It's another thing to make a disciple who's you know, baptized and in discipleship and beginning yeah. to, to share the gospel in their world. And that, yeah, I mean, that's what we want to count. Um, yeah, we're, re we're really looking for obedient, fruitful disciples, those who will go and make disciples of others. Um, and, and it's funny how the, the defaults still kick in sometimes. So we were training with the church down in Salisbury. We, we were there the other weekend to do a second touch with them and, and they've begun to get hold of it. But, um, one of the guys in the church there was just sharing a story with me the other week. And he says, um, says, you know, I'm, I met this young, young guy in the village. Um, I offered prayer. He was really keen. Um, I went back and visited him a couple of days later and I shared the gospel with him and he was ready to turn and believe. Um, and he said, I made a mistake. He said, I invited him to do the next alpha course, which is in October. Mm. And he said, the guy who's just turned and believed looked at me and said, I can't wait till October. Yeah. And then he said, I remembered, he said, yeah. I'm not supposed to invite him to the next alpha course in three months time yeah we've got we've got to stay with them and disciple them now yeah now um, look we we love alpha we love alpha yeah, we we love alpha we, there's nothing wrong saying, with alpha. why wait three months when you can train an, an ordinary believer to share the gospel yeah. and make a disciple on the spot um, on the spot here and now
yeah. No, I've, I've been running Alpha for 20 years and yeah. it's a wonderful thing. Yes, it is. So, Russell, what's, what, you know, God's ripped you out of your local church. Um, he's turned your life around. You're now a, a missionary to your own nation. What, what's, he, what's he put on your heart? Where, where's this going? Where's, where's this going? I, a, friend, a friend phoned me um, just an hour or two ago. Um, you know, you know him, Rob. Mm. And uh, I've been, I've just been helping him and training him. And this morning he went and shared the gospel with somebody. Oh, great. And Rob could not help himself but phone me mm. to tell me the news. Yeah. That that guy turned and believed this morning. Wow. And Rob was Rob was just full of it. Rob was so excited. And and so was I. It's just what a wonderful thing. And I guess really once once you begin to experience that, what what you realize is is you know we we have to do this. I I I came home from one of your trainings. I shared the three circles with my youngest daughter. She's about twenty-one then. I sat over the breakfast table and I shared the three circles with her. And as I did, she began to cry. Mm. And I'm like, oh, you know, it's what what's dad done now, sort of thing. So I said to her, you know, what what's wrong? What have I said? She said, and you know, she's sort of sniffling. Oh, dad. She said, no, it's nothing you've said. She said, it's that, it's the gospel. She yeah, said, dad, yeah. she said, we have to share this with everybody. Wow. We yeah. have to share this with everybody. Mm. And you know, the, the more I begin to connect with people, share the offer of prayer, share the gospel, the more, the more I'm thinking, we have to share this with everybody. Mm. I want to share this with everybody increasingly. Yeah. I want to find people offer prayer mm. really care for them through the offer of prayer and then ask them can i share the gospel with you and i want to invite them to follow jesus to give their life over to him to receive forgiveness of sin to have a transformed life the power to follow jesus as an obedient disciple mm. and then to come with us and share that with everybody they meet as well and that's what we're looking for we're looking for a movement of new disciples everywhere we go. So yeah, definitely here in Essex, but everywhere we train right across Britain, we're looking for a movement of new disciples who will rise up and follow Jesus in obedience. And they will too go and share with everyone they meet to multiply new disciples so that we see this happening everywhere. I'm, I'm convinced it's the gospel that's going to change our nation. And we have to share it with people. So that's, you know, if, if anything happens, I've decided that's what the next stretch of my life is for. And that's what I'm going to be doing. Well, if you've been inspired by uh, Russell Godwood's example and you share a heart for No Place Left Britain, uh, visit movements.net backslash training 
and you'll find uh, how you can get in touch with uh, Russell and either attend uh, one of his trainings or invite him and the team to come to where you are. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast.